Welcome to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. I'm your host, Tim Reed. And once again, I am so excited to be here today. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Fire Time Podcast. Now, for anyone that caught last week's episode, this is actually part two of that conversation. So in last week's episode, we started a conversation with Tim Rethlake from Hearth and Home Technologies. And what we're doing is we're going through... Dr. Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, but we're framing this conversation around why are these habits critical for salespeople. So in last week's episode, we covered habits one through three, and those habits were be proactive, begin with the end in mind, and put first things first. So if you want to catch up in that conversation, tune into last week's episode. In today's conversation, we hit habits four through seven, and I'm telling you, there is some gold here. These habits are just incredible. So I'm going to keep it brief up front here. We're going to circle back and talk at the end about what these habits have done for me and what they can do for you. But before we do that, I'd like to point you towards a resource that I created recently. And this is an ebook that I wrote called Three Things Your Business is Doing to Confuse Customers. If you're in the hearth industry, chances are that your business is doing these three things and it is costing you money. So to get this free ebook and learn what you can do to take control of your business and win more customers over, you can go to the website itsfiretime.com slash confuse. That's itsfiretime.com slash confuse and there's a free download right there so we will get to this conversation with tim rethlake like i said i can't wait for you to hear about habits four through seven tim rethlake it is amazing to have you back on the show for a second week in a row this guy is seriously the most thoughtful salesperson i have ever met in my life and uh, hearth and Home technologies is lucky to have him on board welcome back how you doing uh i'm i'm doing well and just and just for the record i didn't fly back out to seattle a second time so <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm being careful with the shareholder money here there you go there you yeah. go yeah i gotta be careful with that right so tr we talked last week about habits one through three in the famous book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, and we're talking about why it's so critical for sales professionals to be aware of these concepts. So before we jump into habits four through seven, can you give us a little bit of a recap on what habits one through three are? Sure. Yeah, glad to. The the first three habits of the seven is what Dr. Covey talks about as, as internal victories, private victory. And that's the work we need to do internal. All, all improvement needs to be inside out. Um, because once you start saying the problem is out there somewhere, that's the problem. Yeah. And so you have to start inside first. So the first habit is be proactive. And as we said last week, I, I identify or define a proactive person as someone who believes these two things. Tomorrow can be better than today. And secondly, I have the freedom to make it so. So that's a proactive mindset. If you don't enter into life or attack life with that kind of mindset, the other six habits are not going to matter to you. And then secondly, uh, the, the second habit is begin with the end in mind. And we talked last week about mission statements, both company state mission statements and personal mission statements, and how those can be guiding true north principles. They can be the guardrails so that we don't get into the ditch. And then thirdly, uh, the third habit is 
put first things first. That's about time management. It's about self-management within the context of time. And we visited a little bit about Dr. Covey's time management, four quadrants of time management, where he talks about important and urgent. And that we all live a little bit in quadrant one, which are things that are important and urgent. Those are things that, you know, the building's on fire, and if we don't take care of it, it's only going to get worse. But where we tend to not spend enough time is quadrant two, and those are things that are important but not urgent. Um, Listening to this podcast, anybody right now that's listening to this, you're in a quadrant two exercise right now. There's there's no urgency. You don't have to listen to this to get through your day. But it's important that you do. Yeah. If you want to develop, it's yourself. really important that you do. That's right. <laughs> if you want, if you want to develop, you need to be able to sharpen your saw, right? And yeah. this is part of that. Yeah, that's a great summary, Tr. So let's jump into habit number four now, and this is one, man. Habit number four for me is so important in sales, and and here it is. It is think win win. Sure. What do you have to say about that? It's, it's interesting. If you, the other thing that's common between all seven habits is there's a verb in them, right? Be proactive. Put, first thing. And now this one, think win-win. And, and that's the verb think, right? Um, and when customers interact with a sales rep, their force shields are up. They are wary. Now, you've been in this game for quite a while. Why do you think that is? What, what do you think causes customers to be wary when they first enter into a conversation with a salesperson? I think just the lack of familiarity with anything that we do. Um, there's probably some natural you know, apprehension to salespeople that they have in general. Honestly, most of it's just that they have no idea about our product category. And so when you don't know, you kind of go into that fight or flight mode where you're ready to run if things don't go right because you don't want to be taken advantage of. Sure. And, and I, I would agree with that, and I would build on that also by saying that I think many people have been burned in the past with bad experiences yep. with salespeople. There you go. And salespeople were not thinking win-win. Um, there's, uh, I, I would say that some of your best salespeople, in, if you're a hearth retailer, some of your best salespeople you have in your company are going to be your service techs that are in the home providing service. Because consumers naturally will trust someone who's in their home working on their fireplace who they don't perceive as a salesperson. Yeah. They perceive them as a, a subject matter expert. This is a, a someone who's expert on these things. And if he's telling me this thing's 25 years old and it's shot and I probably shouldn't spend the 300 bucks or 400 bucks to get parts and fix it, I'm going to listen to him. Yeah. And that's because they've had too many bad experiences with salespeople who didn't think win-win. They only thought win and that was their win. They didn't necessarily want the, they, they, you know, I'm not saying we're all we're that bad that they want the customer to lose. It's not about that. But it's about if, if, I, if a manufacturer has a spiff this month on this program and I can put another Franklin in my back pocket, if I sell this over that one and they're similar enough that this customer is still a good solution for them. Well, what is that? that, that that's, that's a win mindset, not a win-win mindset. And so you have to think, you have to have an abundance mentality. Yes. I'm so um, glad you said that. To, to, to have a think win-win. And that, and, and, and that happens when, when you can say, you know, we don't uh, – and this happens often when, when we have um, hearth people that sell to builders. And they say – the builder goes, well, I, I only have so much on my allowance for the fireplace on this plan, and that's all I want to spend. And so that, that may not necessarily be the best fireplace 
for that homeowner for the price of that home. Often it's not. And so to be able to think win-win, you have to have an abundance mentality where you tell the builder, look, we can have a bigger pizza here. You can have a bigger slice. I can have a bigger slice. And you know who's going to fund it? You know who's going to buy our supersized pizza? The homeowner. And they're going to get the fireplace they really want. And so be able to think win-win. You have to have an abundance, not a scarcity mentality. Yeah. And and you have to, you know, great salespeople know that they, they honest salespeople at least, I'm not going to have a solution 100% of the time for 100% of my customers. And there's that 1%, 1.5%, whatever it is, that you just say, you know what, based on the story you've told me of what you're trying to accomplish, what's your future vision, I, I think there's, another, there's a better solution out there. I just don't have it, and here's who could get it for you. Yep, that's I'm, professionalism. I'm with you. I think that's so good. And, you know, one of the things right now are we are so polarized in our culture right now. And there is not an abundance mentality out there. We are so quick to say, we got to take what's mine and I got to protect my own. And I think that, I think it's toxic and I think that it will rot us to our core. And, and I truly believe that thinking win-win abundance mentality, you know, it's the way to go. I mean, even as I started this podcast, I had people that were pushing back on me saying, well, you know, your competitors are going to hear it. And, you know, people of different companies and manufacturers and I said, yeah, I mean, they, they probably will. And you know what? Like, that's okay. I mean, so what? And circling back to win-win here, I just, I keep thinking some of the most success that I've had with customers was when I was able to kind of get the confidence to look a customer in the eye and say, you know what? You know, we want to get this amazing product for you. And we also want to be able to, to make a, a fair wage for it so that we can provide for our people. And I think there's a way to make that happen. Now, you don't have to go down that path with every customer. But I think that that being very honest with customers that like, hey, look, we're looking for a win-win. We're, we're in the business to make money so that we can provide generously for the families that work for us. And we know that you need a fireplace in your house. And I think we can make both those things happen. And I think that the transparency of just addressing that sets everybody up for success. And when you're talking about builders, you know, I mean, I love having conversations with builders and remodelers about, hey, how can we help grow your business? I mean, because it's a it's a win-win for them. Like you can help spec a better fireplace. They can sell a home that makes them more money and clients can get something that they actually enjoy using. Like who loses in that situation? Nobody. It's called win-win-win. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Win-win-win. Right. We're winning everywhere. I love it. Okay. So moving on to habit five now. This one's big too. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Holy cow. Okay. Last week I said, I think I said that I thought habit one was the bombshell for sales. Man, I think if I had a gun to my head, this one is so big for sales, especially in our industry. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. Yeah. It's um, it's interesting. I, 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 I said the other day, I said, we shouldn't be surprised when 100% of our sales training that we provide is about our company and our products. And then we get frustrated that our salespeople don't talk about the customer. They only talk about us. <laughs> and it's uh, that we're putting them in a little schizophrenic position there. But it's, th- this is a, a critical skill for salespeople to ask smart, insightful questions and then just shut the hell up. Yes. Just be quiet. And I know you've got all these things in your pointy little head about BTUs and CFMs and stuff the customer doesn't want to hear about, they don't care about, and it's not time to tell them yet, yep. right? 
And so if, if, you, you, if you have the patience and basically a lot of the self-confidence, because sometimes when salespeople are, are not self-confident, when they're insecure, is when they talk and don't listen. That's right. And, and they babble on. See, so have new salespeople all the time. When they get nervous, their mouth just starts moving. Right. Right. And so it's, um, it, it, it's, it's, it, it's being able to, to, to just ask that customer, you know, what, what is their vision of the future state? And what's their vision for the time frame to make that happen? And what's their expectation about a price that's fair of doing that? And then, then only then, saying, okay, I think, I think we have something that will work for you because you said. Yep. And, and those three words are three really powerful words. Those are pow- that's a power phrase for a salesperson, because you said, but you can't use that unless you've had the patience to listen to the customer's story. That's so good. You know, this habit has inspired for us step two in our sales process, which is understand. So, you know, you think about it and you just imagine two different customer journeys, okay? So customer journey number one is the typical fireplace retail customer. They're confused about the product, but they know that they need a fireplace. So they walk in the door they get a salesperson that's playing solitaire on their laptop because it's the middle of June and they're not that busy. So the salesperson kind of, you know, closes a solitaire game and gets up to go help them. And they say, so what are you looking at today? And the person says, well, we're in here looking at a fireplace. And the salesperson goes, well, perfect. We got fireplaces over here. And they march them right over and they start talking to them about the BTUs and the intermittent pilot technology and the remote control and everything like that. Okay. Now, don't lie. I mean, everybody knows what this is. And probably everyone to some degree is guilty of giving that experience to a customer. So imagine scenario number two, your customer is a little bit confused about the process. You walk in the door. You get greeted. They say, hey, how are you guys doing today? Thanks so much for coming to find us. Is this your first time into a fireplace store? And, you know, I look at my wife and I say, yeah, it's our first time in here. And they go, oh, great. Hey, you know what? Well, we'd love to help you out. You know, buying a fireplace can sometimes be a little bit confusing. So we'd love to just kind of understand your project a little bit. And then we'll recommend some solutions that are going to be perfect for you. Which one of those people do you want to do business with? Yeah, absolutely. And and it's just it, the, the, the hard the hard part of, of this habit of, of seek first to understand and then be understood is, is, just, is just having the patience to listen up front. But sometimes we overplay that and we forget about the second half of this, which is then be understood. Dr. Covey uh, defines um, high maturity in people as he said they have both high consideration and high courage. Both of those need to be there. And high consideration, Tim, means I want to fully understand what it is you need out of this relationship or what you need out of this transaction. Then I want the opportunity to explain what's a win for me, right? What, what, what do I need out of this? And so once you do understand that customer's story, now it's time to, if you have a solution that you know in your heart works, to present that solution and, be, and lean in and say, this is the price. It's a fair price for what we do, right? And and don't don't back up from that. And that's then be understood. That's that second half of that habit that sometimes gets swept under the carpet because everybody focuses too much, over focuses on just the front half of that statement. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So Tim, I think about this. You know, it's probably been five years since I took your sales course, 
And I'll never forget the way that you explain this. And I, and I repeat it every single time I teach sales. And it's that you think about in the customer journey, there's kind of three things that have to happen to facilitate a purchase. You know, you got to understand what the customer needs and then you got to present a solution. And then after that, you close the sale. And if you look at a time matrix of an average transaction and you look at, okay, you've got the understanding phase, you've got presenting a solution, and you've got closing the sale, where do salespeople spend the most time? It's in presenting a solution. They spend forever yakking and yakking and yakking about their solution. But what you explain is you say, no, 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 no. If you spend the most time understanding you spend less time presenting a solution because it's the right solution just for them. And guess what? When it's the right solution just for them, it doesn't take much time to close it because closing it is the next natural step since it's the right solution for them because they said and you listened. I think, I think that, I mean, it's amazing how often we get this wrong. I mean, I truly believe that if salespeople would take more time to understand I mean, literally, you could double your sales. I say that in full confidence for retail hearth people. Yeah, could, couldn't agree more. And, and that, that whole balance of, you know, of, of consideration of listening and understanding balanced with courage of asking for the sale and sticking to your value and your price, now we transition naturally into negotiating, which sounds a little bit like habit six, which is coming up next, which is synergize. Man, you are taking the words right out of my mouth. Okay. On to habit six, synergize. Here we go. Yeah, synergy is one of those, uh, those, those, those those words that you need a college degree to understand it, so I wished I had one. Um, <laughs> yeah, me too. Synergy, in a nutshell, synergy means one plus one is something greater than two. Um, that the, the sum of the parts are going to be greater than, than the whole here. And when selling, we often think of compromise as synergy, but they're very different. Compromise means you're going to give a little bit, I'm going to give a little bit, right? We see that a lot with uh, selling to contractors and selling to builders. And the contractor says, um, you know, I I like you, Tim, but, you know, you're a couple hundred bucks higher than your competition. I've looked at both bids. It's apples to apples. Um, You know, I want you guys to do the work, but, you know, a couple hundred bucks, why don't we split the difference and I'll give it to you? I'm not asking you to match their price, but just meet me in the middle. And what do salespeople often say? They say, you bet. They'll say, you bet, right? And and instead of saying yes so quickly, what if you just took a minute? And because basically once the builder offers that, you've got the sale, right? Now the question is, do you have it at $100 less than you want? Or can we use that to step up to something else? Yeah, because they're telling you that they want to do business with you. They are. So instead of saying yes to the compromise, what if you said, would you be willing – to spend a little bit more time talking right now to consider a solution that neither one of us have thought about yet. That maybe there's a way that if we think about this, we can talk about some option packages that you could offer that would make you more money than the $200 delta we have right now between me and my competitor. And by the way, if we put those options and upgrades available to your customers, I think your home buyer satisfaction is going to go up at the same time. And home buyer satisfaction is so critical. You know that in the retail business. It's a, big deal. A, a consumer can totally just derail your business if they have a bad experience and just blow that up on social. Mm-hmm. 
and and so home builders are very aware of that too and so they're you know it's not only just about dollars and cents with them it's about their brand and about social media and customers at home buyer satisfaction in their case and uh, I, I I think you have a great example in your business of synergy uh, you mentioned it last week when we were talking but you have I think you said a b c d e f you know kind of jobs and if I if, if I can paraphrase what yeah. you do the the further you get down there the more complex that job is right like Absolutely. We, we want the a's and b's in season because that's a, that's an insert or it's a dv that we're going to shoot straight out the Absolutely. back it's quick right it's quick and clean uh the the d's e's and f's those are the ones that you know we're going to do a rip out and replace it's got two-man crew for two or three days yep. it's, it's off it's painful in season absolutely and so i what the way i understood you doing that is saying you will offer that consumer a pretty sizable discount to wait. Absolutely. Whether that be 60 days, 90 days, 120 days. And in exchange for them waiting, and yeah, I'm going to defer my pleasure for four months, but I'm going to defer that pleasure on something I'm going to enjoy for years and years and years in my home. Yep. And for that deferring, I'm getting a very sizable discount. And for you... You're not losing that sale. You're just getting it at a time that your crews can better handle it. You keep your crews busy through the warm months of the summer. Yep. That sounds to me like synergy. It does. And, and you look at it, someone could say, yeah, but you're still giving the money away. And you say, but you know what? I'm giving the money away to a time of year when I don't have any business. So I can fill my book of business now and get some money coming in during the off season. And you're right. Synergy is where it's at. And there's so many situations. I mean, I mean, this goes deep too. I mean, even think about the way that you manage team members. I mean, most of the people listening to this are in some kind of a leadership role. And think about like if somebody asks for a raise and you're sitting there thinking like, oh, gosh, I can't, I can't afford to give them a raise. So let's, let's think outside the box. Okay, you want more money and I need more sales. So like what can we do to build something to where as you perform – you get more money. There are so many things out there, whether it's, hey, if you can go out and get me Google reviews, I'm going to spiff you for every one. Hey, if you can increase your margin by four points, I can give you a percentage of that back. I mean, there's so many things. I mean, it it, it has a win-win mentality, but it is synergy. It's, it's, hey, we're working together to where one plus one all of a sudden equals five. Yeah. Yeah, and and I've you know I as as you know most of my experience is on the new construction side of the business, not retail. But I've always thought an odd thing about the retail uh, compensation model is is if a rabbit hops in the cave and and a caveman kills it, they get to eat that. And you know, but but if if the caveman goes out and spears an antelope and pulls that back, that's a lot more work and yep. it's harder, right? Yep. So I've always thought, you know, is there a way that a retail salesperson, instead of waiting in a store, uh, waiting for something to hop into the cave, is there a way that they could proactively go out and get business and drag it into the cave? Yep. And if you do that, you get a higher commission rate than if it's a reactive sale. I'm not, I'm not, you, you probably would have the, 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 the magic sauce, oh, but how, yeah. how do you keep track of it, right? Man, and we, had, we had a great one last year where we had, a, we had a team member on my retail team. So he works in the show room with existing home customers he had an opportunity come up it was a really really big opportunity like a quarter of his entire sales for the year and it was a project that he was the only one with the inside track that could win this but it was outside of his lane and he, he comes to me and he says 
he says, hey, I, I think I've got an opportunity here to go and, and get this. And, you know, what should we do about it? I know I'm not, I don't get paid for this kind of work, but I, I think that we can win it for the company. And I said, you go out and get it and we'll figure out what's going to be fair. And and we figured out a really fair compromise where he was able to get, you know, some pretty serious dollars from it. And the company was able to to win money in, in a way that was just amazing. So I think you're right that there, there are all kinds of ways to synergize to help everybody out. And it, and it's, it starts with being able to think win-win. It builds on that, but it's more than that because the synergy is about each party working together for something greater than they could accomplish themselves. Yeah, that's a great, great example. Love that. All right. So we are getting to the end here, man. So we've got all the habits so far. We got be proactive, begin with the end in mind, put first things first, think win-win, seek first to understand, then to be understood. We have synergize. Now habit number seven, sharpen the saw. Sharpen the saw. I'm yeah. so excited to talk about this one. Yeah. And uh, if you look at the, the graphic, the seven habits graphic that, uh, that Franklin Covey uh, uses, the, the, this is a circle. Uh, habit seven, sharpen the saw, is a circle that encompasses uh, all the other habits inside of it. And it's the, the habit of, of renewal. And um, the, the term uh, came from, from a quote uh, that's attributed to Abraham Lincoln that Steve, Dr. Covey used. And he said, if, if I was, I, I'll probably butcher it here, but, but paraphrasing, uh, Abraham Lincoln said, if I, if I was given three hours to cut down a tree, I'd spend the first two hours sharpening my saw. There you go. And, and so I think Stephen has, has taken that to talk about uh, this area of self-renewal. And there are four areas, specific areas of renewal. And it's spiritual, physical, mental, and then social. And those first three, much like the way the habits are structured, those first three are internal, right? Spiritual, physical, mental are within ourselves. Social is more about that has to do with our relationships with others and, and that dynamic. And so if you, you break each of those apart, um, and, you know, when it comes to spirituality, I, I always use the, 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 the phrase, you know, you need to get on your knees once in a while and and thank whatever God it is you pray to. I'm not I'm not the one to judge what that God is for you, but there's a there's a Matt Carney lyric uh, that I've always loved that just says we're all one phone call from our knees. There you go. And I will tell you that if you choose a life in sales, if you choose a life on this planet, there are going to be some days of darkness, and there's going to be some years of lean, and and you need a higher power, and that's whatever you perceive that to be, you need a higher power to, to lean on. The next area of, of physical uh, renewal, the, your, your physical health as a salesperson is your engine that drives your capability to provide a standard of living to people who you say you love, right? There's your spouse, and then there's these short people that run around the house that also <laughs> are in there with you. Um, but that, that physical, that, that's the engine that drives this. And your listeners don't need to hear you and I talk about what makes sense diet-wise yeah. and exercise-wise and sleep-wise. We all know. We all know how much sleep we should get. We know when we look at a plate, is that healthy or isn't That's it? right. We all know one beer might, might, might not be that bad. 
11 beers? Probably not a great <laughs> idea, right? We know this stuff. Yeah. The hard part is doing this stuff. And, and we talked earlier about having the discipline, right? And you, only, you don't have to have discipline all day long, every day. You just have discipline in certain hard moments. And just do some self-reflection on when are those hard moments for you, right? Um, and I think in the, the very first podcast we did from last season, we talked about the, the fact that there, there's I, – I happen to, to, to have a, a physical regimen of I just want to get my heart moving at the beginning of every day. Yep. And so I'll do some cardio early every morning. Right, and now that's just become habit. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to schedule it. Yeah. it's just it's just there. And and I'll tell you, there's something about getting your blood circulating early. It gets the brain moving oh, early, yeah. and it fe- it gives you like you have an edge yes. on the day, like you yes. have an unfair advantage. One hundred percent. So, and I know you have a pretty disciplined physical regimen. I do, and and it's so funny for me. You know, people meet me. I think that I think that actually you told me this. We were in Mexico a few years ago, having some scotches, talking about you know the finer things of life. One scotch, I think we had. Yeah, that's right. Well, scotch is you had one, I had one, right? No, oh, there you go. Yeah, that's and uh, and and I made a comment that I feel like you couldn't believe, and I and I said, you know. I'm not an organized person, like left my own devices. And I feel like you looked at me like I was crazy. And for me, you know, I might come off as like very organized and and very put together, but left my own devices, I'm not. I'm really kind of a, a creative, loose cannon shoot from the hip at heart. And what I've had to do through self-awareness and reflection has been build disciplines and habits into my life because if I don't build structure I mean, I go off the deep end when it goes when it comes to chaos. And so, you know, my morning routine, it is, you know, pretty structured, but for me, if if I don't have that structure, I flounder into nothingness. But but you're absolutely right. You know, for me it's, you know, you wake up early in the morning. You know, for me it's some push-ups, some sit-ups. I hit the scriptures for a little while. If I'm going to blog, I do it right after that, and then I'll go for a run. And man, if I can get all that done, before seven thirty in the morning, you're—I mean, I've—I am ready to take on the world. And everybody knows that they should have some kind of a routine. But man, once you start living into it, it is a superpower that just—I mean, you can just go out and crush it after that. It, it is. It's—it's it's almost an, an unfair advantage, which is hard to believe because it's information that's out there and readily available for anyone that cares to put it to practice. Yep. Yep. And so this, so, so far with Sharpen the Saw, we've talked kind of about the internal stuff, which, which is really, really good. But let's, let's kind of move this into the sales function. Okay. So assuming that you're a salesperson that's in decent health, you're taking care of yourself. Man, so many people don't have time to sharpen the saw. You know, there's, there's a guy that I know that's a very, very high producer, nose to the grindstone, works his tail off 24 hours a day. And when you talk to him about training, stopping to practice his craft, you know, kind of pulling back from the grinds that he can actually evaluate the book of business. It's like, no, I don't have time to do that. I can't do that. I'm too busy producing. I mean, and I just think about, man, that blade is getting so dull. It really is. And, and I, I'd love to hear you talk about just why is it so important for salespeople to be sharpening the saw? Um, because if, if, if they don't do it for themselves, who in the world is going to? Right. If if we don't if we don't make sure that our saw is sharp and no one else has responsibility for us. Right. Our, our if, if you're if your parents my, mine are no longer living, but if your parents are your, your mom's not responsible for you anymore. Right. If you're, you're an adult. So it's time for you to make sure that you've got the capacity 
to produce for the things you want in life, right? Remember that have, do, be yep. what are the, that we talked about last week. What are the things I want to have in my life? And, and that can be – it can be materialistic things. If you want to have a nice home, if you want to have a couple cars, if you want to have a jet ski – there, there's nothing wrong with getting money, as Zig Ziglar said. Just don't let the money get you. That's right. And and so to be able to have those things that you envision your future state, you you have to take care of yourself spiritually, physically, and then the one we haven't touched on yet in too much detail is mentally. And it is so easy to do that today because of technology. Most of the people that listen to this spend some minutes, if not a couple hours a day, in a car. Well, there's this podcast, and we're preaching to the, literally preaching to the audience if <laughs> yep, they're listening yep. to this. But unfortunately, what I found is that many, many people are aware of your podcast and don't listen to it. I can't imagine I, what kind of person that is. I don't either. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm guessing probably not a proactive person. Uh, but, you know, we've, we, we, we have a common friend in Bradley Hartman uh, yep. with the Behind Your Amazing Back podcast, podcast, which is really good. Yeah. Um, story brand, Donald Miller. I know you know that one well. I started listening to that because of you, yep. uh, actually. There are so many podcasts, that, and, and they don't all have to be business-related. They, there, there's so many podcasts out there that can almost, you know, when you talked about the stress of that individual that was always felt like they were grinding and in the grit. There's a lot of podcasts or a couple podcasts I'll listen to just because I laugh my butt off. Yep. You know, so you need that relaxation as yep. well. And we have trade magazines. We have, you know, we have Hearth and Home magazine. We have Builder magazine. TED Talks um, is great to be able, you know, if you're taking a little break at lunch or something, is pop up on your, your phone, run, run a 15, 20-minute TED Talk. And not only for what you can learn, but pay attention to the storytelling yes. that they do. And, and the, 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 their skills is story. They're master storytellers. They're the best in the business. That's why they're on a TED stage. Yeah. And, and so learn from that. Take from that, Right. And I think that it's so important because so many companies, this is for business leaders, don't invest in sharpening the saws of their people. And and as a leader, frankly, you have to be doing that. Otherwise, your people are going to get dull. You wonder why they're burned out after years. You wonder why they've got bad habits and tunnel vision. Man, how often as a leader have you pulled them out of the whirlwind to invest in sharpening their saw? And I mean, yeah, you're going to lose a little bit of revenue for that day, but you're going to make, you know, tenfold, twentyfold that because of what they learn and because of what it does for them being galvanized to the vision that you're taking them towards. I think that, you know, in my interview with John Waterstrap from last season, he's running a gigantic company in Fireside Home Solutions, and he has no problem pulling everybody out to do a half-day training for something. I mean, that costs him a lot of money to pull that productivity out. But he looks at it and says, dude, I'd do it again. I would do it again. It's worth investing in my people because my people are the source of my strength. Sure. And, th- and that's because he sees it that way. And so it goes back to see, do, get. Yep. Um, you know, you're fortunate to be in an organization and you're a leader who uh, who, who really prioritizes development, both personal and professional. And, and the people that work in your organization, I, I, I know they appreciate it because I can, I can sense it in them, and they've said they have. Well, it's funny, and it's, it's ironic for our industry, but so many people, they want the heat without putting the wood in the fire. I mean, sharpening the saw, I mean, you got to put the wood in the fire if you want to get the heat, and that means you got to invest in your people. you got to give them opportunities. You know, they don't know what they don't know. So if you've got resources, podcasts, team meetings, trainings, bring in a consultant, whatever it is, 
you know, teach your team members how to sharpen the saw because that's what's going to allow them to work at your company for years and years and years and make you millions of dollars. But if you don't sharpen their saw or let them sharpen their saw, they're going to get dull, they're going to get burned out, and you're going to be stuck with no employees and a bad business. I mean, I know which one of those I'd rather have. Yeah, pretty easy choice. That's right. So, and then that leaves us uh, the the last area of renewal we have is is social, and as we said, that's the that's the one in our relationships with others. That's about being a good neighbor, a good citizen, a good volunteer, a good father or mother, son or daughter, aunt and uncle. Um, and that one really is around when you talk about renewal. That one's really around balance and. That's where the time matrix kind of comes in and this weekly planning that Covey uh, teaches in in the the time management portion because it allows you to look at those relationships that you've identified as important in your life and then look back over your calendar over the last few weeks, right? And what what I say to people sometimes is you you show me your checkbook and you show me your calendar and I'll tell you where your values lie. Absolutely. I think I've heard that at church before. Where, where Where do you spend your money and where do you spend your time? And ironically, the people that are closest to us, uh, it's, like, it's not ironic, but it, it, they, they don't want our money. They want our time. That's right. And, you know, we, we've often, we often talk about be where your feet are, right? Be present. And so, yeah, you had a hard day at work. You know what? Your seven-year-old doesn't need to be the brunt of that. Yeah. That, that's not their fault. And so, so be where your feet are. Be present in the moment. And, and also use those sources of friendship for not not just what do you need to give that relationship, what can you get from it? I, I'm so blessed to have a, a core of, of men in the Twin Cities who we share very varied backgrounds. We share a common faith in Christianity, and we, we kind of wear that on our sleeve a little bit. Um, we all have some connection to a sales or marketing role. And I get so much out of my relationship with them, and I, you know, I don't even wince about, hey, play through this with me, help me think through this, because they ask me the same questions. And so, you, when you have those relationships that you need to give to, right, but you also get from, yep, that's a source of strength. And there's something about, especially men. We seem to think it's a weakness if we need to admit we don't know something or we need to ask for help. We're afraid to go to another dude and say, I'm bamboozled by this. Yeah. I, don't, I don't get it. Can you help me? I'm with you. And I mean, I know personally for me, man, I got that, I got that core as well. You know, that, man, if there's something that I need help with, I'm going to them. And, and uh, it is a give and a get. You know, you pour into relationships, you get things out of them. And I think that those four quadrants of it are just are amazing. I think that those things are going to help somebody, you know, really be, be ready, be present, and be sharp for what life is going to throw at them. I think that sharpening the saw, it does affect your sales when it comes to ongoing sales training and things like that that are important. But holistically, when you think about those four quadrants, I mean, I, I think that this sets you up to be someone that people love. I mean, it sets you up to be someone that your your wife or your husband loves, that your kids love, that your friends love. And ultimately, I mean, I'm just bringing this back to sales, people buy things from people that they like. I think I've heard you say that once or twice before. And investing in this kind of renewal, it, it makes you someone that people want to be around. When you're with a crab that like never invests in this stuff, it's pretty obvious and people don't want to buy anything from them. And, and they don't have to today. People have choices. That's right. 
That's right. I mean, I feel like you've told me, you know, don't be so arrogant to assume that your competition is not doing something better than you. To ignore your competition is is arrogant and to fixate on them is ignorant. Yep. Um, you need to keep them in the rearview mirror, keep an eye on them, but don't assume that you're better than they are at everything. Right? Yep. Because if you, if you were, they wouldn't still be in business. Well, TR, this has been an amazing conversation. Like I said, you were one of the most popular guests from last season, and I know people are going to be stoked on this. What I think it's meant for me is that this book teaches self-awareness. And sales is a game of arithmetic and self-awareness. That's really all it is. It's arithmetic and self-awareness. And when you go on that journey, you will start to become more self-aware. And all of a sudden, you start to realize that there's some things on you that customers don't like. And you have the option of doing something about it. And I think that, that so many people are not self-aware. There was a study done a while back where they, they analyzed... Uh, the most successful CEOs over the last like 10, 20 years and, and what was the common denominator that led to their success, the only thing they could come up with that they all had in common was self-awareness. It is so critical and I think that these seven habits teach it. Yeah, so self-awareness and and uh, Jim Collins in, in Good to Great uh, talked about level five leaders, level five CEOs and it was also around genuine humility. Yeah. And, and you cannot get through seven habits without generating as you I, I love the point part you make about self-awareness but also genuine humility throughout this whole process there you go that's awesome and you know you you gave the shout out there to jim collins good to great i think that's the name of your blog isn't it <laughs> it, it is, but it's G-R-A-T-E. Okay, not, okay, not I see what you're doing there. Yeah. So where can people go and find that? Uh, they can go to Good to Great. Uh, just just type that in. It's on WordPress. Uh, I, I try and get that out about once a month, uh, and it's uh, specifically for the hearth industry. I feel that I have a responsibility to give back to an industry that has blessed me for multiple decades now. And, you know, you talked about working for a, a, an owner that believes in training. A lot of owners don't. And so they need to be aware that in today when unemployment is about 0%, and especially um, millennials like, like you over there. That's right. Um, Guilty you, as charged. You, you pesky millennials. Um, one of the things that, that consistently that I understand about millennials is you want the opportunity to develop and learn and work for a basically a higher purpose than just coming in for a paycheck. And this would be an opportunity as a business owner to really invest in your younger workers that are your future. You're absolutely right. And TR, you talk about giving back. Man, you are doing that. Thank you for the investment that you've made in the industry, that you've made in me personally, and that you're making in our audience here. We appreciate you coming on board. It's been a pleasure. All right, thank you. Well, I hope you guys got some amazing value out of that conversation. You know, that book has been critical for me. It's been critical for Tim Rethlake. And these habits are something that, man, they can just make such a big difference. And it's it's funny, you know, for years I'd heard about, you got to read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And I heard it so much that, frankly, it became a cliche. And I just, I don't know, it just seemed kind of goofy to me. But once I read that book, man, I'm telling you that there was something there. And these habits are just, they're so important for being someone in sales that people want to buy from. You know, you think about the habits that we talked about today. Think win-win. I mean, who doesn't want to buy from someone that's thinking win-win? You know, if you're going to buy something and you get the impression that it's a win-lose scenario, all of a sudden you start thinking, man, are they trying to get me to lose? What can I take away from them? 
But when you're dealing with someone that looks at you and says, you know, hey, look, you know, I'm in business so that I can take care of my family and I want you to get a fireplace that's great for you. How can we make these things happen? I just think a win-win mentality is so important and not many companies lead with that from a sales perspective. Very often it feels like a win-lose and if you make the customer feel that way, they're not going to buy from you or they're going to try to nickel and dime you for everything that they can. The next habit Seek first to understand, then be understood. Man, if there's anything for a sales professional to take away, it is this habit. Holy cow, how often in our industry do we just vomit information all over consumers without first taking the time to understand their situation? If you can take the time to understand someone else before shoving your agenda down their throat, it's going to go really well for you because it's amazing how once people feel understood, then all of a sudden they care about what you have to say. It kind of goes back to that saying that says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. The next habit we talked about, synergize. It's so important. You know, Synergy is about one plus one equaling three. And I've seen this happen. I gave that story about one of my sales guys this year. This is the way I try to run my team. I look around and I say, what can we do to make sure that our end result is greater than the sum of the parts involved? And that's something that we are constantly building on. We're putting our heads together. We're thinking about this to make sure that we're maximizing the opportunity that we have in front of us. And synergy is the key. It means thinking without tunnel vision, working outside the box. And that's the way that you get wild ideas and amazing results. The last habit is so close to my heart. Sharpen the saw. I mean, guys, this is so critical. And it's the way that you can take control of your career. Sharpen the saw. You know, dive into a podcast, into a book, into a sales training, relax with friends, connect spiritually, enrich yourself. I mean, these are ways that you are going to win. If you are not sharpening the saw, I mean, you're going to be just like everybody else who's living life unintentionally with no end goal in mind and no way to get there. Guys, we want to live life on purpose. We want to be self-aware. We want to be going somewhere. And these habits can help do that for us. Now, down the road, I'm going to be doing more episodes about resources. And like I said in last week's episode, we might at some point do an entire episode of the podcast that's just dedicated to the resources I found that have helped shape me. At the very least, at some point, this is going to be a section of my website that you'll be able to go to with some links to get a hold of all these. But I hope this conversation has been helpful for you. One last thing that TR mentioned in the podcast today was he talked about a gentleman named Bradley Hartman. And Bradley's got a podcast out there that's called Behind Your Back. And everyone needs to subscribe to it right now because if you do any type of selling in particular to builders, this podcast is a must. And he's actually going to be the guest on this show next week. Back when I was in Dallas, Texas a few weeks ago, I was able to connect with Bradley. We had an unbelievable conversation about sales. So I can't wait for you guys to hear that next week. But in the meantime, I'm hoping the rest of your week is terrific. If you have any questions or if you want a topic or or a guest addressed on this podcast in the future, make sure to send me an email. My email address is tim at itsfiretime.com. That's tim at itsfiretime.com. And I can't wait to see you guys next time on the Firetime Podcast. We will see you later. Thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast. To learn more, visit the website itsfiretime.com. 
Music from this episode was written and recorded by In Bloom out of Portland, Oregon. We thank you for listening to the Firetime Podcast, where it's never hot enough, slow is fast, and the way to win is to make it so stupidly easy to buy from you that there's no excuse not to. We'll see you next time.